Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins here, ready for another week of the show. Uh, again, no B. Scott, if you haven't heard about that. Again, he is uh, taking a little bit of a leave from the show, so it is going to be just me flying solo. Hope you guys had a good weekend. Hope you guys had a good week. A lot to talk about. Uh, it's going to be our college football preview today. Um, so we're going to talk about a lot of stuff relating to the season. Obviously, a lot still up in the air. We don't know when the Big Ten uh, is officially going to play. They originally postponed their season back to the spring, and now they're in talks to possibly start around Thanksgiving. So there's that to chase. Um, you know, you have Notre Dame uh, kicking off playing their first season in the ACC, could possibly their last season in the ACC as well. Um, so a lot to go over that. Uh, as long, along those lines. And then, of course, you have the Pacers who fired uh, Nate McMillan. Um, so that's an interesting thing that happened this week. Um, so a lot going on. Um, today was also the MLB trade deadline. Kind of lackluster. I mean, I don't know really what, you know, we expected. I mean, I, I didn't really expect too much. Uh, you had Cle uh, Mike Clevenger, pitcher for the Indians, who got in a little bit of trouble this season for going out and partying with, uh, with Zach Plesak who I'm pretty sure pitched for Ball State. So there's your tie-in to Muncie there. Um, so he ends up um, he ends up getting, you know, basically sent down to the, uh, sat to the uh, satellite location um, and now trade to the Padres. The Padres are going to be kind of scary good, I think, come the postseason. Um, the Cubs acquire some bullpen depth. They acquire Cameron Mabin. Kind of seems like it's, you know, throwing darts at a dartboard, but again, not expecting a whole lot. You have Mike Miner to the A's. Um, what other big deal? I mean, nothing, nothing really too crazy. I mean, the Mets got uh, uh, Todd Frazier and Robinson Chirinos. Oh, uh, also you've got um, <clears throat> the Marlins who, I mean, they trade Jonathan VR uh, and, add Star, and add Starling Marte. So we'll see how that goes um, because, honestly, I mean, you know, the, it's anybody's guess who's going to win the NL East. Um, so who knows what's going to happen there. Um, it's a, uh, it, it's going to be a toss up. So, uh, you know, wanted to talk a little bit about the trade deadline. Uh, but of course it's not as big as maybe it would have been, um, in normal seasons. Uh, but I think that, uh, you know, it's kind of what we would have expected from a normal trade deadline, but enough about that. Let's go ahead and hop into, uh, the college football action, the college football preview, we're excited to get that going this season. Um, and it's kind of crazy because it's now football time, and it kind of feels um, a little bit normal as far as the football season goes. I mean, obviously, there's that kind of COVID cloud, you know, hovering above, um, you know, everything. You know, it could all come crashing down at some point, but right now it seems like everything's kind of all systems go. Um, aside from what's going on with the Big Ten, aside what's going on with uh, the uh, Pac-12, um, also, I mean, the NFL season seems to almost be, you know, per, you know, essentially untouched, um, you know, so far by it. I mean, you've had obviously players opt out and that kind of thing, but they're kind of all systems go. So uh, we're getting back into the swing of things here with college football. Um, and <clears throat> so, like I said, there are some conferences playing. There are some conferences not playing. So let's go ahead and hop into that real quick. Uh, so who's playing and who's not? Of the Power Five conferences, the ACC begins September 5th, so that's actually this weekend. Uh, Ten conference games, one out-of-conference game, so they'll play um, an all-ACC schedule. They'll play one game out-of-schedule. That's, I think, the one, one of the ACC games this weekend 
is uh, Miami. They will host UAB. Uh, for the Big 12, they begin on September 26th. They'll have nine conference games, one out of conference. Uh, the SEC uh, begins September 26th. They will play all against the same conference, which I, I feel like looking back is kind of a very SEC thing to do. Uh, the SEC being like, you know, well, we don't need we don't need a non-conference schedule. We're you know our own you know kind of you know we're 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 best if we all face each other, and it kind of creates this cloud of like, oh well, the SEC, yeah, there's a team that's got three losses, but it's all in conference. So we know how good the SEC is. I feel like that's pretty much par for the course. You had the Big Ten, which originally postponed to the spring. Um, they're considering a start now around Thanksgiving. Uh, so that would still, you know, starting Thanksgiving weekend, you would have the whole month of December. You could potentially talk about a college, an actual college football playoff at the end of January, I feel like. It would be really kind of rushed, but you could play like an eight-game, an eight- or nine-game schedule if you start, like, if you start, you know, the last weekend in November, play all four to five weeks in December. That's, you know, let's say it's four weeks. I don't know for certain. Uh, for certain, I haven't looked at a, a calendar or anything. Uh, but you could potentially in the season, um, you know, let's see, you know, you have your, you know, you know, let's say there's five games through the end of December. I mean, you could possibly be playing late January, early February. I don't know if that's how far back they want to push things, you know, back as far as trying to figure out, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to figure out, uh, you know, if they can have a situation where, you know, all the power five conferences are kind of on the same page. Um, and can actually do a, you know, relatively normal college football playoff. It's kind of up in the air. And the Pac-12, uh, they've postponed. you got to think they might be wanting to try to figure out if they can play as well. Um, and then as far as the group of five conferences, you've got the AAC. They've got eight conference games, uh, up to four non-conference. Conference USA playing eight conference games, up to four out of conference. Um, the Sun Belt's playing eight conference and up to four non-conference, and they're kind of filling those gaps with those few Power Five conferences that are choosing to play um, out of conference. And then you've got the MAC and Mountain West who have postponed to the spring. You've got <clears throat> some independents, UConn, UMass, and New Mexico State have all canceled or postponed their uh, fall seasons. You've got Notre Dame who's joined the ACC for a season, and then you've got BYU, Army, and Liberty all playing. So. It's going to be an interesting season. It kind of blows your mind that, like, with all the, the craziness with the Big Ten, all the all the things that have been up in the air about should we delay the season, should we do this, should we do that. Heck, there's lower conferences that are starting, like, this weekend. Uh, I mean, there's, like, a full slate of games, you know, here, you know, coming up on Saturday and then the week after. So it's pretty crazy that, you know, it's kind of been very individualistic. And, um, you know, I haven't really heard much from the NCAA as a governing body, but we'll kind of see how it goes. Um, you know, moving forward, especially if there's any sort of like, you know, can, you know, situation as far as COVID's concerned. But, you know, <clears throat> my reaction, you know, to all the, you know, when will they play, when will they not play has kind of been this, um, you know, selfishly a college football season that stretches from September 2020 to possibly March 21 sounds amazing. Uh, I'm actually super hyped for that, um, you know, especially because really once the college football season regular season ends uh, on, you know, the first weekend of December. Then you have the conference championship games the week after. Um, then you've got Army-Navy, which is still kind of a cool weekend. But really after mid-December to, like, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, you've got the NFL playoffs. You've got the bowl season. Look, 
I'll say this. The bull season is fun. The bull season is there. Uh, it's one of the, the bull season for me is one of those things that like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, it, it's kind of a good palate cleanser, a good, uh, you know, kind of filler holdover until you get to the games that matter, like on New Year's, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, uh, the New Year, New Year's Six Bowls. But honestly, I think it's one of those things that if you didn't have it, you wouldn't miss it, I feel like. Um, and so, yeah, you've got some good things, but there's, you know, that happened, you know, the, like I said, NFL playoffs, you've got the Super Bowl, obviously, you've got, you know, a bunch of other stuff, you know, the bowl season, the college football playoff, but really once the college football playoff is over, you, you know, besides the NFL playoffs, there's really not a whole lot going on until college basketball uh, is wrapping up and having their tournaments and having, um, you know, all that stuff and having, you know, March Madness and everything. So a college football season that could potentially end right around the time March Madness is coming around sounds really awesome to me. Um, and I think that would be a really cool thing. Obviously, that's kind of just me being selfish, me being a selfish, you know, sports fan, wanting to see that happen. Um, but, you know, you know, it, I think it would be a cool thing to watch. Um, you could open the season in January with the Rose Bowl. Um, I know that's kind of it, – it's funny because it, it's one of two things with the Rose Bowl. Because I think the Rose Bowl is the thing that maybe is the biggest bowl game affected by obviously no Big Ten, no Pac-12, but a not normal college football season. Because the Rose Bowl has traditionally been obviously New Year's Day, Big Ten, Pac-12, let's go. Uh, but you're going to have to do something. You're either going to have to, A, not have it on, on New Year's Day. So you're going to have you're gonna have to, because I don't think, I don't think it's part of the college football playoff this year. I'll, I'll double check on that, but I'm pretty sure it's not part of the college football playoff. I'll uh, go ahead and look that up real quick, but I'm pretty sure that it's not. Um, so it means that <clears throat> it means that, you know, it's kind of its own standalone New Year's Six Bowl as it has been, you know, in the past. Um, you know, taking a second to look it up here, um, you know, look at the sites uh, for this season. Uh, it doesn't really show me that, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I'm almost positive that it's not, uh, you know, this season. I, I'm pretty sure the Rose Bowl – is not part of it. I don't want to spend the whole show, you know, trying to look that up, but, um, you know, so that's kind of a, a faux pas on me, but I am, you know, fairly positive. The Rose bowl is not part of the college football playoff this season. Um, so you could, so you're either going to have to have it on New Year's day, but without the big 10 and, and pac 12. So you're going to have to have it be like SEC versus ACC, you know, one of the three power conferences playing, or maybe, if there's a team from Conference USA, I mean, Cincinnati's prepared to have a good season. Maybe you throw Cincinnati in there, so that's still Big Ten country in Ohio. Um, you could potentially do something like that. So you're either going to have to have a non-traditional matchup, which they've done before. They had Texas and Michigan uh, back in 2005, the year before um, the year before uh, Vince Young and, uh, won, the, the, won the national championship for Texas. Um, so you could have that. You could have a, a Rose Bowl that takes place at the end of the Big Ten Pac-12 season as kind of their national championship game. Um, or uh, you could have it at the start of the season, Oregon, Ohio State, let's go. Oregon, Ohio State to kick off the second season 
of college football. I think that would be an awesome thing. That's the Pac-12 champion from last year. Uh, that is who did play – who did they play last year in the Rose Bowl, Oregon? Um, but they would be playing Ohio State with Travis in the college football playoffs. So you have that matchup. So you're either going to have to have it at the beginning of the season, uh, beginning of a season, but still have it on January 1st. You'd have to, or you'd have to have a non-traditional matchup or have it later in the season. So either way, the Rose Bowl isn't going to look like it normally has. Um, so you could potentially have that to start off the season. And then you could also, if you really wanted to have, since there are other conferences, the MAC and the Mountain West, the Mountain West does include Boise State. Maybe if you decide to do a four, you know, a, a whole second college football playoff, maybe you can have a situation where you have, you know, four team, a four-team playoff that could include, include a group of five teams. Um, and then, of course, like I said, it ends in time uh, for the NCAA tournament. So um, I'm, I'm going to try a second time looking this up um, for the Rose Bowl but because it, it is going to bug me. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, dates announced for college football playoff games. Let's go. That's not the right site, though. That's cool. Anyway, sorry, fascinating radio, I know. Um, but ultimately, um, what I'm getting to is that it makes it a very um, interesting uh, location, semifinal locations. There we go. We're cooking. We're cooking with grease. Um, list of college football playoff games. Okay. So the semifinal dates are there. Just show me what I want. Oh, it's, it is the Rose Bowl. Okay, so the Rose Bowl is a part of the college football playoff this year. So never mind. Scratch that. But you could still have a Rose Bowl-esque game. So that is part of the, the college football playoff. I thought when I looked it up the first time, all full transparency, I thought it wasn't. So good thing I looked that up. See, this is what I need Brandon here for, because he would have been like right on it and been like, oh, hey, you looked it up wrong. It's actually not, uh, you know, a standalone New Year's Six Bowl this year. So um, the Rose Bowl is a part. But, you know, anyway, it's going to be a non-traditional Rose Bowl Maybe you, you know, do a second Rose Bowl. You could do a Holiday Bowl. Something, you could do some sort of bowl game between the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that correlates with the, the end of the first college football season and the start of the second college football season is basically what I'm getting at. Now, obviously, since the Rose Bowl isn't a part of the college, isn't, you know, it's part of the college football playoff that makes it a little bit more tricky, um, but there you go. Um, now, one thing that I am a little bit annoyed at, though, is the fact that the Big Ten is doubling back on their decision to postpone the season uh, until um, uh, in, until January. And they're trying to figure out how to play this year, not because I don't want to see Big Ten football this fall, uh, but because, you know, <clears throat> is it because the health situation truly may be better? And, and that's kind of the thing that kind of makes me a little wary um, you know, because according to the Pat McAfee show, they're doing, they only postponed the, the season because they thought other conferences were going to follow suit. And because they didn't, now they're kind of out on an island um, and they don't know really what they want to do. Um, and the fact that Notre Dame is like, hey, we want to play. We want to be part of it this year. They, them joining the ACC is a main contributing factor as to why the ACC was like, actually, I think we're going to play this fall. 
And then that kind of created a reverse domino effect to what the Big Ten was hoping for. So it kind of created that situation. Now, of course, you've also had fans and players that have kind of pro- protested um, the, uh, you know, the fact that the Big Ten schedule was shifted back to the spring. I mean, it's just kind of, you know, I don't want to get – I've done my best to avoid talking too much about the non-sports aspects of COVID. But the reality of the situation is it's not as easy as just like, well, I want my Big Ten football this fall. Just do it. Just, just have it. Just have it. Just do it. Because it, these are student athletes. They're not getting paid. So it's not like the NFL. It's not like the NBA. It's not like MLB where their only job, their only duty, duty's kind of maybe a strong word, their only job <laughs> is to go and play that sport. And they only, and you know, it's easier to be like, hey, don't do anything for these for this stretch of the season, except for come to practice, come to the game, go home, travel with us, all that stuff. It's easier to kind of have that quarantined environment if you're not in a bubble. And instead, you have these guys who are going to go to classes, obviously, that's what they're there for. You're going to have them intermingling with you know obviously the student population in in, in both on campus and on campus manners remember these are you know you know 18 to 20 year old kids um they're going to intermingle and and with the rest of the with the rest of the general population and so that you you could be 100 percent careful as a team and still have that one person that goes to a party and gets the virus and i know that that's what you know, has happened in, in professional sports as well. But again, you know, they are not paid to play the game. Now, granted, I understand the financial side, which makes me feel a little bit shady about it is the fact that like they don't get paid, but because their sport makes a lot of revenue for the college and now they're doubling back on it and being like, maybe we should have the season. That's what kind of makes me feel icky about the whole situation. But it's not as easy as saying, well, I want the season to happen. It should happen. It's also the fact that, well, you know, they're going to be intermingling with the rest of the population. I mean, you saw what happened with the Cardinals, with the Marlins, you know, you know, of the sports that aren't, you know, can't, you know, self-quarantine, you know, that can't socially distance, that have come back not with a bubble. There's really only been one. It's been Major League Baseball, and they've had, you know, the outbreaks have been kind of subdued recently, but you've still had multiple series postponed and, and basically the Cardinals are having to play this entire second half of their season as double headers because of all the time they missed. And that could potentially throw off the entire college football season. And again, these guys can't just be like, okay, well, we'll, we'll make up this date at the end of the year. We'll make up this date at the end of the year because they also have class to worry about. You know what I mean? So that's why it's not as simple as just like, I want my college football Saturday, give it to me. It's not that simple. So that's why I think it's a little silly that people have been protesting. You know, it's obviously a selfish thing. They just want to, you know, they just want to have their college football season for entertainment value, whatever. And it's like, it's not as simple as just go out there and play because of the student aspect of it. It's not the same situation. So um, you look uh, at what the Big Ten's decision in the first place. Maybe they moved a little bit too quickly to postpone the season. Playing in the fall uh, would have been the best thing from strictly a college football standpoint um because personally and i you know i discussed it a couple weeks ago on the podcast when we first talked about college football that 
honestly, I thought the regional aspect of college football made it more favorable that they could have a full season. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I was, I was not skeptical they could have a full season because I thought that, you know, because of everything being so tightly packed and regional, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about, you know, Ohio state going to play, um, you know, USC for a conference game. You wouldn't have to worry about, you know, the Colts are going to have to go to Houston to play a conference or a division game, but you wouldn't have, you know, Notre Dame going to play Texas to play you know, an ACC game. Um, so it's, it's interesting, you know, to, that they, you know, were so quick to make that judgment because, I mean, for instance, I mean, you've got like Michigan to Ohio, like Michigan State playing Ohio State. You've got Indiana to Ohio. You've got Indiana to Michigan. So you have a lot of closely, you know, close-knit regions for college football. I feel like it would have been easier um, to have a season. So a little bit quick to kind of press the, uh, the big red button there and cancel uh, their season for the Big Ten, or not cancel, but postpone. Um, but, you know, and what's crazy, and I didn't even really think about this until I was watching the Pat McAfee show the other day, and I, I promise I don't get all my content from, from the Pat McAfee show. Uh, but they brought up a good point. You're going to have, like, Cincinnati playing their season in Ohio, but Ohio State won't be. You'll have Notre Dame playing in Indiana. Purdue and IU won't be. So, <laughs> you know, you'll have Iowa State playing in the Big 12, but not Iowa. So it, it raises some, like, concerns of, like, hey, if it's, if, it, if it's safe for this school to do it, why is it not safe for us to do it? And so that's – that's kind of the legitimacy you can put to why aren't we having a season and all that kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see what the Big Ten decides to do. I think there's a way they could still have a season. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, because there is a chance that if they double back on their decision, that they could start the season, let's say, in October, and then still, you know, or maybe early November, and then still be done in time to have a true college football playoff. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, but we'll kind of see how it goes from there. And, you know, you know, Paul, I see your comment down there in the corner there. Paul, part of the chat, thank you for hanging out today. Um, you know, he says that he's interested in seeing how they'll handle the bowl games with Corona. I, I definitely uh, feel that way um, as well. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they, uh, you know, do things uh, with, with, the, with Corona. Uh, I think, and, and we'll get to those uh, thoughts here in a little bit. But um, let's go ahead and get into the preview uh, for the college football season. But before we do, let's get this quick word from Anchor. All right, so the big news of the college football season is the fact that Notre Dame, or one of the big news of the college football season, the fact that Notre Dame will be playing in the ACC this season. So I thought it would be fun to take a look at the Notre Dame Fighting Irish's season. Um, it will be very interesting to watch. Uh, so um, they do, you know, looking at their offense, they do return Ian Book at quarterback, uh, but they don't return too much else as far as offense is concerned. Uh, they do, they lost um, basically all of their rushing attack. They lost, you know, uh, Chase Claypool, Chris Finke, and uh, Cole Kimmett uh, from their uh, receiving core last year. So the cupboard is essentially bare. As far as the offense is concerned, they do return some significant regulars along the offensive line. Um, but the offense is going to be the unit with probably the most to prove for the Fighting Irish this season. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, uh, you know, Brian Kelly can have that offensive in, in order, uh, offense in order. We'll see what they can do. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to replace there. As far as the defense is concerned, uh, the biggest names on defense that they return are uh, Drew White and Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Um, that's in the linebacking core. Their front line is going to remain relatively solid. Um, you know, they do uh, get back some good pass rush, pass rushers, excuse me. Um, you know, from last season's team, um, they do get um, Aid Ogun Digi. I can't pronounce names for whatever reason, so sorry that I butchered that. But he is a fifth-year senior coming back. You've also in the secondary um, have um, six-year cornerback Sean Crawford uh, and NC State transfer Nick McLeod. Um, so their secondary um, is going to be back and uh, in working order. Um, so I think their defense is going to kind of be relatively the same. I don't see anything to say, hey, they're going to improve immensely. Um, but I don't also see anything that will that tells me like they're going to be a absolute, you know, you know, they're going to be super porous on defense and not be able to stop anything. So the defense is going to be okay. Uh, I think there's some good key pieces coming back. Um, and so overall, uh, their defense I think is going to keep them in games. It's going to be a matter of whether or not their offense can rise to the occasion. So let's go ahead and dive in to the Notre Dame schedule here. So Notre Dame starts off the season September 12th against Duke. I think that is a win. Duke projected to be close to the bottom of the ACC. South Florida, going to be another W there. So they're going to start the season, in my opinion, 2-0. Pretty easy claps there. Um, Then you're going to have – you're going to have at Wake Forest. Uh, Wake Forest has had a good couple of seasons, but they lost a lot um, from their 2019 team. Uh, so that's another win for the Fighting Irish. Florida State, I thought about putting that as a potential stumbling block for Notre Dame early on in the season, but they're still kind of getting their act together as well as they've kind of tried to refill, uh, you know, their, their uh, cupboard as well. You know, the, at the life – after Jimbo Fisher has not been super plentiful, and they're still trying to restore uh, order there. Louisville is going to be a tough game. I think if we were on the road, I would pick Louisville because Louisville actually almost pulled the upset last year on Notre Dame, but it is in South Bend. Now, we don't know. I haven't heard anything definitive um, as far as fans in the stands. I haven't heard that there will be none, but I also haven't heard that there's going to be full capacity. Uh, I doubt there would be full capacity, uh, but it'll just be interesting to see there. Um, then one potential stumbling block is going to be against the Pitt Panthers October 24th. Um, and I think that's the first loss uh, for Notre Dame. So I think they go uh, 6-0, and uh, excuse me, 5-0 and to start the season. Uh, but then they, that first stumbling block is going to be at Pitt. Uh, you know, it's funny because Pitt is projected, according to Athlon, they're projected fourth on their side of the ACC, so in their division of the ACC. But we're, you know, we're also talked about to be potentially in the ACC championship game as like kind of a dark horse. So, uh, and I, they had a big win over UCF last year as well. They're kind of a sneaky good team um, that could, you know, be a potential stumbling block. It's a tough place to play uh, if you're an opposing team. So that's where I think Notre Dame loses game number one. They beat Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech not expected to be very good. Then Clemson to start off November. You know, it is in South Bend. If it was, if the crowd was at full capacity, full bore, I would maybe, maybe smidge 
with just a little bit of a margin, think about picking Notre Dame for the upset, not without a full crowd, not with the way their offense is looking, especially trying to keep up with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so definitely not picking him there. So that's the second loss for Notre Dame. Uh, they will beat Boston College and Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse is their last game of the season. Uh, their only other loss, in my opinion, is going to be at North Carolina. That is a spot where, again, tough place to play, a team projected to play in the ACC championship. Um, I think that's where Notre Dame falters. So I do think on the season, 11 games, they are going to go 8-3. and three. Um, And so, I mean, it's not going to be good enough for a college football playoff berth. But I think it's going to be a solid year. Like I said, I think, you know, I, nothing, nothing close to sway them to be an ACC member full-time, uh, which I don't think was really on the table to begin with. Uh, but uh, I think they are going to have a solid year. It's kind of going to be what you expect because, you know, and Notre Dame kind of has an easy out too because I don't know if they were already scheduled to play Clemson this year, but they can say, hey, look, we played in a conference – you know, it, it, we're not used to it, um, you know, and that's why, you know, we went eight and three, whatever that, you know, because I mean, I mean, is eight and three really a step backwards for Notre Dame? They had to replace a lot. I think if this was the Notre Dame team from last year, I could see them going nine and two, maybe 10 and one. They would still lose to Clemson. Um, but I think they're also on Clemson's side of the ACC as well. So I don't think there was a possibility. Um, or I think they're actually going by winning percentage, aren't they? They're, they got rid of the, the divisions. They're going by winning percentage. So I don't think we're going to see, especially with two, two division losses, I don't think we're going to see, or two conference losses, I don't think we'll see Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. But there is a chance um, they're not going to get in the playoff, though, because I think if they, even if they do get the ACC championship with two conference losses, they're going to lose their third conference game to Clemson again, who uh, is going to – I think take care of business. There's no reason really to think that they won't. Um, but I, I think Notre Dame's going to have a solid year, eight and three. I mean, not a bad year at all, um, considering they're in a conference for the first time. Yeah, the ACC is just one big conference this year, so it won't be you know an issue there. Um, but I think it's going to be Clemson and North Carolina in the ACC uh, championship game. Um, so um, you look at. The uh, we're going to take a look at the rest of the college football uh, landscape here. Um, and uh, but first, I want to remind you guys: make sure you follow us at Crash Course FM on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Crash Course Podcast on YouTube. Uh, we've uh, post the full podcast now over there. Um, so this is the only place you can see it live. But in case uh, you miss it, uh, you can catch it on YouTube in its full capacity. Um, you can also find Memory Lane, which a new episode comes out on uh, this coming Friday. We're going to be watching, actually, a Notre Dame game, uh, Notre Dame versus Michigan back from 2018. That was the first game back of that rivalry, so that's a lot of fun. Um, and, of course, if you missed it, we did Andrew Luck's uh, win over Peyton Manning. Uh, that was, you know, a signature moment. Uh, the date we were not really commemorating, but remembering was Andrew Luck's retirement, and so we wanted to look back at a date where uh, he really uh, kind of came into his own. Um, and then, uh, like I said, of course, a new episode this week. And then, of course, remember, you can listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can also find us at anchor.fm slash crash course. So uh, Paul in the chat asked, what's, who's my favorite college football team? Really, um, it's, it's, it's Ball State uh, for me. Uh, you know, I thought it was, I was, I, I am a big football fan. 
but I, you know, the fact that, you know, I was an even bigger football fan when I was younger and the fact that I had a team in my backyard, uh, I was pretty stoked about that. Now, as far as the Big Ten goes, I root for Purdue. Um, you know, that's the allegiance I've taken there. And then I kind of root for the storylines. You know, I root for, you know, I root for the UCFs of the world, that kind of thing, or the Northwestern of the world when they're going up against Ohio State. Um, you know, because I think college football is just fun to watch. You know, I, I like to, you know, root for teams that, um, you know, are – you know, fun teams to watch, basically. So my favorite team, diehard team, if you want to say, is Ball State, and then I kind of go from there. So, um, but let's go ahead and take a look at the college football season. And the big question is, heading into this year, how do you determine a college football champion? Uh, you know, you have the Big Ten and Pac-12, who's currently, their season is going to be in January. Uh, fall student-athletes, by the way, will get an extra year of eligibility um so that'll be an interesting thing the ap top 20 was released last week um you had uh, of the ap top 20 which by the way the reason why i stopped the top 20 was we covered in the last podcast about college football that the lowest the team has ever started the season and still made the college football playoff was number 19 oklahoma back in 2015 um, so that's kind of where the cutoff was there. So the ACC has three teams. You've got Clemson at one, Notre Dame at 10, UNC at 18. The Big 12 has three teams, Oklahoma, Texas. Oklahoma is five, Texas is 14, and OK State at 15. Then you've got the SEC. You've got six teams, Alabama at three, Georgia at four, LSU at six, Florida at eight, Auburn at 11, and Texas A&M at 13. So that kind of raises the question, um, you know, what about the SEC? Because you look at that, you know, the fact that they basically double, you know, they, they, they are basically the Big 12 and ACC combined as far as the amount of teams they have in the top 20, and they kind of flood the market a little bit. And, again, it kind of raises the question, kind of like when we talked to B. Scott, you know, uh, or when, you know, when we you know, talked about this with B. Scott, is like what happens when you have, you know, it's, SEC teams that have maybe one or two loss, two losses going up against a one-loss team from a Big 12 uh, or an ACC. I mean, I feel like the general consensus, what we've seen the college football playoff do in the past, is favor the SEC team. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if maybe they do cross that border into, hey, we're going to have a, you know, a, three, a third team from the SEC in the college football playoff. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, so who do I think will be in the college football playoff? Well, number one, it's going to be Clemson. Uh, Clemson's going to be there. Uh, they uh, they don't – I don't think they'll lose all season. Uh, the road games at Notre Dame and Florida State aren't as daunting without full, a full capacity of fans in the stands. Like I said, I you know, haven't heard anything definitive, uh, but I don't, I don't believe we'll have full capacity crowds uh, this college football season. And they won't play UNC. Uh, who I think is the second best team in the ACC aside from a possible ACC championship. Um, and I think they win that. Like if it's, if it's one game left before the college football playoff, I think uh, Clemson finds a way to win that one. So Clemson uh, is, I think, a team that is a pretty safe lock for the college football playoff. Now make sure you take this clip because when they lose, you know, week two to Wake Forest or something, uh, I want you guys to come back to that. Uh, now, again, back to that question. The, could three SEC teams make it to the college football playoff? On one side, you've got the East with Florida and Georgia. I think those, that game, that, those two teams will decide 
who plays in the SEC championship from the eastern side. You've got Florida, who plays LSU in cross division, and Georgia plays Alabama. So a tougher schedule for Georgia having to play Alabama and Florida than it is for Florida to have to play LSU and Georgia, in my opinion. Uh, so it's going to be tougher for Georgia. As far as the other side with Alabama and LSU, I think those are the two teams that decide the West. Uh, the uh, LSU ha- has lost too much from their team a year ago. I mean, obviously they lose Joe Burrow. Uh, they lose their, uh, you know, offensive coordinator, and they just lose, what was it, 15 players that got drafted from their team last year. So they're going to take a little bit of a step back, in my opinion. Um, and then Florida's cross-division game this year is against LSU. That's who LSU plays from the eastern side, or one of the teams they play from the eastern side. Um, and I think that's a game LSU loses as well. So, again, very tough because, uh, you know, Florida returns Kyle Trask. Um, at quarterback, they have a much better coach in Dan Mullen. So I think Florida beats LSU this season. Um, so as far as my picks for the SEC championship game, it's going to be Alabama and Florida. Um, and so here's kind of my scenario where possibly three teams from the SEC make the college football playoff because there is a chance. Let's, let's envision this scenario, which is very real. You could have Alabama and Florida in the SEC championship as two undefeated teams. And then you would have, you could have a potential of a Georgia who has one loss. Uh, let's well, I mean, actually, you couldn't have that because Georgia would either have to lose to Florida or lose to Alabama. But you could have a chance where you have yeah, that's what it was. I confused myself. So you're going to have those two teams at undefeated playing for the SEC championship game, right? So you're going to have that. Then so you could make the case for those two teams getting in because you could say Alabama won the SEC, Florida's their only losses to Alabama. They ran the table the rest of the way in who a team are in a conference that is largely considered the best in all of college football. So you have those two teams there. And then you're going to have the third team, whether that be LSU, whether that be Georgia, with one loss or two losses, you know, and they could make the case. Let's say, let's say your next team in line is two-loss LSU or two-loss Georgia. You compare them to a Big 12 winner that will most likely have one loss. I mean, who are you going to take? especially if the one loss for that Big 12 team isn't very impressive, even if they win the Big 12 championship game. So that's the scenario where a third team gets in. And I think, honestly, it's a very real scenario that a third SEC team gets into the college football playoff. Now, do I think it'll happen? Probably not. But there is that little bit of an avenue that the college football playoff could take to work that third team from the SEC in. So that's a real possibility. I don't think they'll do it, but that's kind of a thing that, that I was thinking about with when the Big Ten and Pac-12, which the Pac-12 probably wasn't making the, the college football playoff anyway. They haven't made it since 2016. Both times they made it, they've lost in pretty spectacular fashion, Washington to Alabama in 2016. And then you had um, Oregon, who did beat Florida State, but then lost in epic fashion to Ohio State. So you want to look back at that. The Pac-12 isn't really highly regarded by the college football playoff. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, sorry about that. But um, you do have the Big Ten. So without the Big Ten, without Ohio State kind of working their way in there, then you have kind of that open door. Who's going to take that third spot? 
it could very well be a third SEC team, um, you know, over a Big 12 team. Then you've got um, uh, the Big 12. Uh, Oklahoma State, will, uh, uh, in my opinion, will win the Big 12. They return 19 starters from last year. They get Texas and Iowa State at home, and they've got Chubba Hubbard, who could be a Heisman candidate. Their O-line has even gotten better from last season, and he ran for over 2,000 yards last year, um, so he looks pretty good. I just don't think Oklahoma is going to win the Big 12 again. Not ever, but I mean this year, <laughs> like for another year in a row. Uh, I just don't see it. Um, you know, you look at what they've had, and not saying they've had a cakewalk, but they've had Baker Mayfield, they've had Kyler Murray, they've had um, they've had Jalen Hurts. That's a track record of three really good quarterbacks that Lincoln Riley has had during his tenure at the helm in Oklahoma. So this is the first year that, yeah, he's got another good recruit, but not one that had as many accolades and hype as Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts. So I think they're due for a little bit of a step back. Oklahoma State isn't a bad team. They're not a pushover. So I think Oklahoma State is going to kind of break up that monotony. They're going to win the Big 12. So my picks for the college football playoff are Alabama, Clemson, Florida, Oklahoma State. I think in that order as well. Now, as far as the bowl games are concerned, uh, you do have the Sugar Bowl, Orange Bowl, and Cotton Bowls are all safe with no Big Ten or Pac-12 teams. So you can still have those big games. You do have a handful of bowl games that feature the ACC, Big 12, and SEC. Um, and I think, obviously, keep those games. You want to still see those bowl games. You want to still see those matchups. I think they can still happen. Um, and I think you should end the group of five, the non-Power 5 schedule, with the, uh, with the conference championships for those teams. So with the AAC championship, with the Sun Belt championship, with the Conference USA Championship. I think that's where those seasons should end um, because, honestly, you look at it, and the big tw the, between the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the MAC, there are at least, I think, 18 bowl games that are affected by that. I mean, obviously, you can fill those other bowl games in with other teams, but at the same time, I mean, that's where it's going to get a little uh, iffy because, you know, you have near, like I said, nearly half the bowl games aren't playable if conference affiliations are kept. And what is bowl eligibility? Is it five wins this year? Are we doing five wins for that? And how hard is it going to be to fit, you know, basically for 40 other teams without, you know, what, out of 10 conferences, seven conferences aren't playing. So can you find seven, you know, out of those seven conferences, can you find, you know, basically – 40 other five, at least 500 teams to fit in those bowl games. I think it's just too much of a headache. Give those teams, get, give all the group of five conferences and the teams that don't make bowl games, extra practice times or teams that would have normally made bowl games, extra practice times. Um, because now obviously I think you would just have to do teams that aren't playing in the postseason for extra practice time. Cause you couldn't be like, this is our list of teams that we like, and we're going to give them extra time to practice. Cause that's B Scott brought that up. You know, that's what these teams that make those lower bowl games get the most out of is that extra practice time that you get during bowl time. So if you let the teams have that extra bit of practice that they would normally have gotten, um, then that's where you can kind of make up for no extra bowl games. But I think it'll be more exciting if you end the non power five conferences with 
the conference championship games, and then whatever uh, group of five bowl games that you can still keep, then obviously have those. Um, that's how I think they should have it. You still have, like I said, around 20 to 22 bowl games. You know, possibly could extend it to 25. You're not going to – I promise you, you you're not going to miss the Mako Las Vegas Bowl. You're not going to miss the, you know, the Portalette Toilet Bowl. You're not going to miss those games. I promise you. You're going to – you think you're going to, but you're not. Let's just keep it real. Um, so – um, and like I said, I think you saved the Rose. I, I originally wrote my outlines to save the Rose Bowl for the spring, but obviously you're not going to do that. I, you know, that was before I looked up and saw that the Rose Bowl is part of college football playoffs. So that's going to already have happened. But I do think they need to either start the season or end the season with some sort of – well, they're definitely going to end the season uh, for, you know, for the Big Ten and Pac-12 with a bowl game of some sort. Um, but – you know, I think that that's what's going to happen. I think if if the if Ohio State and the and uh, well, the Ohio State, if Big Ten and the Pac-12 have to wait until spring or are not able to compete in the normal college football playoff, I think that's kind of the thing that makes the most sense. Have a bowl game at the end of the season for those two teams. The, the winner of the Big Ten versus the winner of the Pac-12. Winner of that is you might hate to hear this, the co-champion, depending on who it is. Because here's here's the thought on that. You know, I, you're going to have some sort of resolution with the Big Ten and the Pac-12. They're going to play. They're going to their champions are going to play a game at the end of those seasons. I'd be really shocked if they don't um, in the spring, in the winter, whenever they choose to have uh, those schedules. So, and they're going to be obviously left out of the college football playoff. Um, so, th- the question remains: Could the winner of that game be considered a co-champ? Because three of the top ten in the preseason rankings aren't playing this fall. Oregon, uh, Ohio State, and who is the – oh, Penn State. Penn State's the other team that is not playing but ranked in the top ten. Um, so you already know that there's weight being put on what these teams could be, on what these teams' potential is. So you can't tell me you rank Ohio State at number two being like, even if they play no games, they're still the best team in the league. No, you're basing it off of what they are supposed to be this season. So how are you going to, you know, how are you going to say Ohio State deserves to drop? Obviously, the only way you can do that is saying, well, they haven't played all year. But then once Ohio State starts playing again, so I don't think you would even – I think the lowest Ohio State will drop is maybe outside the top 20. They'll still be in the top 25. So once the season starts for the Big Ten of the Pac-12, do you then start ranking teams again? Now, those will be good talking points for kind of some of the dead periods of the spring being like, hey, these are the rankings. This is how they've changed to have a release show on ESPN every week, whatever. But obviously, as the season goes on, you're going to start ranking Ohio State back higher. So how do you determine – what happens? So the question is, if Ohio State, let's say Ohio, let's say this is how they do it. Either they they move Ohio State out of the top four because they'd have to to have the college football playoff. So Ohio State is going to be fifth or sixth, let's say, and then through the course of the spring schedule or whenever they decide to, or whenever they decide they have a season, let's say they raise, they rise back up. They they're number three. Let's say they're number three. 
Um, or they're number two even, because after the college football playoff ends, you could kind of make a decision there. So if Ohio State, let's say Ohio State goes undefeated, which is a possibility. Justin Fields, uh, you know, exceeded my expectations last year, had a great season. Um, let's say Ohio State goes undefeated or even has one loss, wins the Big Ten. Uh, let's say they lose, let's say they lose like Wisconsin, another ranked team, or to go undefeated. One of the two. They're either undefeated or have one loss. I don't think they're losing two games this year. Let's say they win the Big Ten championship game over uh, – I don't think they can play Penn State, but whoever they can from the other side. Let's say they lose to Wisconsin in the regular season, beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. Okay, so they beat the only team they lost to. That's usually a big, you know, upside if you're looking at the college football playoff. And then they go and they beat Oregon, who let's say has one loss. Let's say Oregon, without the opportunity to lose – to a non-conference opponent at the beginning of the year, which they've had the last few seasons, and knowing that another loss could put them out, let's say that raises their game. Let's say Oregon, you know, makes it to the Pac-12, wins the Pac-12 with one loss or it's undefeated. Let's say they have a great season this year and pop off. So are you going to tell me that if Ohio State wins that, you know, spring championship and – their only loss is to Wisconsin, who they beat in the Big Ten championship game, and they're, uh, you know, and they beat the a Pac-12 opponent. So they won the best team from the, you know, the other side, and they, you know, won their conference and everything. You're gonna tell me if Ohio State does that as the third best team, as the second best team, that you're gonna say, well, yeah, but I mean, obviously they're not gonna jump up and and unseat whoever won the college football playoff. But you're going to say either one of two things, either they're co-champions or, you know, Clemson is the spring is the fall champion and Ohio state is the, is the spring champion or Alabama is the fall champion and uh, Ohio state is the spring champion. So like, that's kind of the confusing thing you could get this season because, and let's, and let's get into this. It's not unprecedented because over the past 30 seasons, since 1990, co-champs have been named four times. That's 13% of the time. Now, a lot of this has you know, happened in the mid-90s. The last time it happened was 2003 with USC and LSU, but it's not unprecedented. I mean, it's within two decades, you know, we've had co-champions. And I think this is the uh, – and, and co-champions used to happen with the BCS and, and the AP polls. When there were two different polls – voting on national championships. Now that there's a definitive playoff, it's not happening. I think this would be the most legitimate co-championship in college football history, essentially. So I don't think it would be one that's looked at as, oh, well, you know, it's, you know, it's a bad, it's a, you know, a sour ending to a season because we had co-champions. I think it would actually be legitimate the way that would be. So that's kind of the problem you run into with having a fall season and a, uh, a spring season, but that I think is what you can kind of look forward to. So let's go ahead and look at some predictions before we wrap up this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast, episode 32 of season three. So like I said, college football playoff, my predictions are Alabama, Clemson, Florida, and Oklahoma State in that order, which means Alabama would play Oklahoma State. And Clemson would play Florida. Clemson and Florida is a game where I want to pick the upset. You know, I want, I want, I don't want to just go chalk every time I do a playoff prediction. Um, but I think uh, Alabama beats Oklahoma State. 
I think Clemson beats Florida. It's another iteration of the Alabama-Clemson rivalry. Um, and I think in that championship game, Clemson beats Alabama. They have who my Heisman pick is going to be, Trevor Lawrence leading that charge. They've, they've got a bad taste in their mouth after, you know, being one of the teams that came probably the closest uh, to beating LSU last year, that juggernaut of a team. So they're going to be hungry to go out on top yet again. That team will have basically two titles to their name, um, you know, with in the Trevor Lawrence era. So that'll be really cool. Um, so I think Clemson wins the national championship over Alabama. Trevor Lawrence wins the Heisman. But, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what these teams do uh, once, you know, a season starts one way or the other, whether or not it's, you know, if a season happens where the Big Ten and Pac-12 will not be done in time for the college football playoff, it's going to make everything very interest, interesting. And I'm very, you know, keen to see what will all play out. So it'll be very fun to watch. Well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all for hanging out. Remember, you can follow at Crash Course FM on Twitter. Go subscribe on the YouTube channel, Crash Course Podcast, um, where you can see a new episode of Memory Lane on Friday. You can also see uh, the full cut of the podcast as well. Um, and then remember, you can listen every week um, on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can hear the Crash Course Podcast. You can also find us at anchor.fm slash crash course. Next week, we'll be previewing the NFL as that season gets ready to kick off here in about 10 days or so. Um, thank you guys all for hanging out. Remember, um, you know, if uh, also remember, you can follow us on Facebook. If we're streaming live right now on Facebook um, when this podcast was recorded. So you can also watch the podcast live every week on Facebook. So go to Crash Club Podcast on Facebook. Like us over there as well. But until next week, have a good week, everybody.